As you prepare for retirement, you'll be faced with many important choices. We want you to make the right ones. Welcome to Financial Choices Matter with Charles Scott. Charles is an accredited investment fiduciary. He's well-equipped to help you make sound financial decisions. We want you to experience a meaningful retirement. On our podcast, we believe financial choices matter. Hey, gang, welcome into another edition of Financial Choices Matter, our financial investing and retirement podcast with Charles Scott. What's up, man? How are you, buddy? I am great, Mark. Thank you. Uh, what's up? I don't know. That's... The sky? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Okay. Yeah. Too, too obvious, too but that's obvious. okay. I, yeah, yeah. Any, it's fine. Anything uh, new and exciting going on? Any any uh, little recent trips or events or anything you've been doing? No, we're going to be gone back to Hawaii for... We've gone on a, we haven't gone on a real vacation in a couple of years. So Oh, nice. You know, we're recording this earlier than it cast posts, right? But we're gonna we're gonna take off after Thanksgiving for a few days. And, uh, nice, yeah. I, gotta, are... I, I like to go find out and make sure the ocean has sprung a leak since we're here in the desert. So, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> it always makes me feel better. I'm with you. I hear you there. Well, yeah. At the time of this podcast taping, we're in the uh, first week or so of November, and so uh, yeah, we'll we'll probably do a, a Thanksgiving show coming up. I'm sure. But let's dive into our topics this week, and and it won't be Hawaii, unfortunately, but maybe. Yeah, I know. We'll get to that at some point, hopefully. Randall has got a question for you. He's from Phoenix. I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to do the email questions first. Sometimes we do okay. these at the end. If you want to submit your own email question, go to PelotonCapital.com. That is PelotonCapital.com. Randall in Phoenix says, Charles, I'm in my mid-50s and I don't have much saved for retirement at all. But I do own my own business and I'm having a huge year, he puts. <laughs> uh, best I've had by far. I'm going to have some big profits that I can invest for retirement. Give me some places to start. Ah, well, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I won't say shame on you for not having started this whole idea earlier, but it better late than never. That's right. So, you know, I'm glad you're having a, a super year. Where do you start? Well, the two things come to mind, first of all, the idea of putting money away for retirement. Absolutely. You need to be doing that. The question is going to be, do you expect to have not necessarily huge years, but good years going forward where you can afford on a consistent basis to put dollars away? So many people call and when we talk to them about something like this, they say, well, should I do an IRA? Or should I do a 401k or should I do something else? Or what should I do if I want to create a plan for myself and for my employees if I have employees? And it's not the plan that matters. It's the amount of money. It's the profit that you have and the amount of money that you're willing to contribute every year on a consistent basis to make this work because that's what dictates the plan that fits what you want more than just, I've got the money uh, you know, right now, what should I do? I want it to work for the client on a consistent basis going forward because there's a huge difference in the amount of money that you can put away for retirement in kind of a tax-deferred account. If you just want to do an IRA, you could put up to $6,000, $7,000 if you're over the age of 50. So that, you know, if that's all you can afford, then that's what you need to be doing. If you wanted to do a, a simple plan, you could put up to $13,000. Some of this varies, but this is basically the, the way that it graduates from a contribution amount. A SEP plan is based on the amount of earnings that you have. You could put up to $56,000 in a SEP plan. You could also put $56,000 in a 401k plan, and you could add $6,000 more to both of those if you're over age 50. So you see there's a big, big difference if you just suddenly found a way that you're going to hit it out of the park every year, and you say, hey, I want to max out the most that I can possibly put in a retirement plan for myself. 
you could put together an old-fashioned pension plan, which is called a defined benefit plan, and you could put up to, I think it's $225,000 into that. So the amount that you can contribute is all over the park, basically. So you, and it doesn't mean you have to put that much in in any of these, but these are the upper limits of what's possible for them. So it really does make a difference based on how much you think you can do. And some of them, you have to do it every year. If, you're gonna, if you start one, you've got to stick with it. And so you want to be sure that you've got some expectation of consistency of profits to be able to do this. Yeah. You know? Okay. So the philosophy behind it is how much am I going to be able to do this on a regular basis? Not what kind of plan should I have? Because you, the chicken and the egg thing there, you want to know how many dollars you've got. And that will dictate the choice of the plan. Uh, gotcha. All right. Well, still, it's a really good question. Glad you're having a huge year and glad that you're thinking about it. But yeah, it sounds like we need to get on, get you on board with a, uh, a strategy and some consistency so that you can start to address it on a regular basis. Give Charles a, a call. You've already kind of taken the first step here in uh, shooting us an email. So give him a call and just come in and have a consultation and start looking at the numbers, dive into that a little bit more and, and see what you can afford to set up and, uh, and get yourself on that path towards retirement. 480 Five one three eighteen thirty. 480-513-1830, your number to call, or for anybody else who's listening that wants to talk with Charles, get onto the calendar. All right, well, let's turn our attention to our main topic this week, my friend, and that is five social security misunderstandings. We'll try to get through all five of these. I've got a couple of, I don't know, myths, rumors, misunderstandings, <laughs> whatever you want yeah. to call them. And oh, yeah. Name, pick anything like that. We hear it all the time. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I'm going to yeah. give you a couple and let you just dissect them. The first one's pretty easy. Social Security is going broke. We hear that one every other day. Yeah. No, it's not. It's easy to fix, and I'm not going to get into that. It's not going broke. If they don't make changes, if Congress doesn't make changes, then it's the benefits are going to get reduced. And I'll be honest with you, my contention is they have kicked the can down the road for years on this. Basically, everybody knows what needs to be done. They're not going to do it until the last minute. That's the way the people that we elect to govern <laughs> act. Yeah. They're going to put it off to the last possible minute, and everybody's going to fret about it for who knows how long, and then they'll go, oh, well, we can do this and this and this, and they'll pass something, and away we go. So don't worry about it. Blame the politicians, for, and it's truly pretty easy to fix. They're just not going to do it when we want them to. I agree. So. <laughs> I agree. It's it's gonna and it's always gonna be a poker chip too. So that's the other piece of it as well. Oh so, yeah. Uh, all right. So that one's pretty easy. Number two and three are basically the same. I'm just gonna flip the script on them. So yep. number two, you should start Social Security as early as possible. That's usually best, right? <laughs> it, okay. You get my uh, both of these. You get my favorite answer, which is it depends. Yep. Okay. So give us some thoughts on starting it early. Well, there maybe you have a financial need to start it early. Maybe you have a family health history of people not living very long in your family. Your mom and dad didn't. Their, their parents didn't. You, the probability of your life expectancy is pretty short. It's, it's an biggest, indicator, right? It's not the be-all, though. No, it's not. It's not at all. The biggest be-all is I really need to have the money early as I possibly can. Right. So you can start at 62. You get a reduced benefit for the rest of your life, but you can get it. And, and you know, so that's probably the biggest consideration. And most people... Most people just don't think about it. Well, I can take it now. I will. Well, okay, maybe not. That leads us to the, the next part of that. And it's delaying Social Security as long as possible is usually the best. Well, maybe. It depends. You know, you're going to get more. Basically, it's 62. 62 is when you can start early. 66 for most people. 66, 67 is the full retirement age. And, you know, there's no point in leaving it past age 70 because at that point, you don't get any credits 
if you don't take it into past your full retirement age till you get to 70, you've, your benefit is rolled up 8% a year and you're going to get, you know, over a three or four year period of time, 24 to 32% more of a lifetime benefit. So if you, you know, again, if you don't need it, our contention would be don't take it. Again, the, the, the health history makes a difference, but the longer you wait, the more you're going to get out of it until you get to reach age 70 and it's not. So I can't predict the future. I can tell you how social security system works but I can't tell you what your life is going to be like over the next several years and how you want to do it. The math of breaking even, if I start early or if I wait till I'm later, the idea there is how long do you have to live if you start late to make up for the lost benefit that you didn't take earlier on. Right. And it's, you know, depending on what kind of a calculator you use, it's, you know, we just kind of say, you know, it's 12 to 14 years. So at 70, if you think you're going to live into your 80s, then wait if you could afford to. That's kind of it. Right. And, and basically, yeah, those two were tied together. So you kind of addressed both of those. Some say take it as early as possible. That's best. Others say wait as long as possible. That's best. It really always, it just kind of comes down to, you know, some of those factors that you laid out. Do you need it? First of all, if that's so, then you're going to yeah. need to take it early. If you don't, delaying could be a good strategy that could be beneficial. But it all kind of factors into how does it work within your overall plan? It's one important piece, but still just one piece of your overall right. financial plan. All right. Right. So then that's three and two and three. So let's do number four then. Uh, Social Security misunderstandings is what we're talking about here. So the SSA, the Social Security Administration, uh, can help you choose the best strategies when you go and see them. Absolutely not. Yeah, that's true. That'll never happen. Nope. They're not legally allowed to give you any kind of advice. So if you don't have a strategy going in, they're just going to give you, they're not going to suggest anything because they can't. We have always found them when we've dealt with them to be extremely friendly and sure. and very yeah. helpful. Yeah, because you know they really are. It's not like the DMV, thankfully. Oh well, okay. <laughs> well, it's sort I'll of, leave that one. I'll it's, leave that one alone. Well, I'll say certain uh, areas are. I guess certain <laughs> certain states are different, right? Some areas it's maybe like the DMV. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, you need to have a strategy. You need to know why you're doing what you're doing, why you're asking for what you're asking for. And yeah. we just did it with a client. I think I talked about this a couple of podcasts ago. We just found forty thousand dollars on a claiming strategy for a client that they didn't know they were going to be able to get, and they'd never heard of it. And as I've said before, Sherry in the office, my wife, my partner, knows this stuff inside and out. And we found her strategy for her that she was they're going to collect over the next few years about forty thousand dollars. Well, you uh, th- can't beat th- that. They, no, so but you got to have a strategy. You got to talk to somebody. Yep. And most financial advisors, and I'm going to pick on them for just a second, don't know. They think they know, but they don't know. And we see it all the time. So you know, well, that's, you, you know, Social Security. You know, it's not exactly like it's you know easy. I mean, it's com- it's pretty oh, complex. So there's like. 2,500 yeah. plus rules yeah. and thousands of interpretations of those rules. Right, so, the interpretations. That's the part that I think gets a lot of people. It's like anything else government-based. It's <laughs> There's a lot of stuff yeah. in there. So That um, keep it simple, stupid concept has never made its way to the government. Yeah, no, well, I think lawyers have something to do with that, but that's another Part of topic. that has. I'm not going to tell you which part. <laughs> Well, there's lots that go into that. That's for sure. All right. Well, our final bit here on just our five social security misunderstandings. Uh, if you feel as though you are misunderstanding any of these five, let Charles know. Reach out to him. Say hey at pelotoncapital.com or call him at 480-513-1830. And the last one is you don't pay taxes on social security benefits, right, Charles? Again, it depends. Yes, that's possible. Okay. But it depends. It's so, how much how much income do you have? Yep. And this is the one that throws people off because it's not just regular income. It's 
a new term that you've probably never heard before unless you've spent as much time filling around with this stuff as we have. It's provisional income, what which is your is gross in, provisional income. It's your gross income, mm -hmm. not your adjusted gross income. It's your gross income plus half of your Social Security payment plus any municipal bond interest if you have it. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's why make it simple? Let's complicate it as much <laughs> as we possibly can. If you add all of that up and your provisional income is less than $32,000, then you don't pay any tax on your Social Security. doesn't mean you haven't paid tax on something else, but you don't pay it on your Social Security benefit. Between 32 and 44, it's up to half, up to 50% is counted as taxable income. That's what it means. It doesn't mean it gets taxed at 50%. It just means that you kick in 50% of your Social Security benefit into the income bucket. So you got to calculate it one way and then turn around and calculate it again. And if it's it's up to 85% if you're married and have more than $44,000 worth of a provisional income. So that just again that means 85% of your, you know, if it was $45,000, 85% of that provisional income counts as income now. It counts as ordinary income and you get taxed right. on that amount. Wow. So it and it's less if you're single, but I'm not going to give all those stats. So yes, you can be taxed on it, but you know, when someone, if you're doing your own tax return and you plug in your numbers, it just the, all the tax returns we look at for people after they're done, uh, it just shows the, the gross amount of your social security benefit and the taxable amount. And that taxable amount is then what goes into the overall tax calculation. So yeah, yeah. you're going to get taxed on it probably, okay. unless you're not taking much. Right, right. So it sounds like that provisional income uh, formula is about as complicated as the one they use to determine the QBR quarterback ratings that they've added to some different some of the sports stuff. You're they're trying to explain it to you, and you're going, "What?" <laughs> I think I could I think I could figure the quarterback ratings out easier than this. Really? Okay. Yeah, and I don't pay that much attention to it. But, okay. You know, All right. Well. God, yeah. Yeah. It's it's. Now, a, I don't know what the heck OBS means in baseball, but that's oh, a whole different story. Yeah. We won't go into yeah, that. Yeah, you're on you're on base. Uh, was that the on base percentage, right? Well, I think so, but then I'm not sure. There's a power ranking two thing. I don't remember. Yeah, there's a ton. Just, yeah, that gets interesting. Well, we'll digress on the uh, on the sports <laughs> ones, but if you've got some misunderstandings around Social Security, hopefully this podcast found your way its way to you and you found it a little bit helpful. If you need some more help, again, reach out to Charles at 480-513-1830. Uh, you can always pause a podcast and back it up and rewind it and all that good kind of stuff makes it a little easy, especially if you subscribe to it, which you could do on Google or Apple or Spotify and various other outlets. Go to PelotonCapital.com, subscribe to the podcast, PelotonCapital.com, and make sure you give us that subscribe. We would appreciate it. Final bit, we're going to bounce out of here. Um, I want to ask you a little risk tolerance question real fast before we go. <laughs> okay. uh, since we did the email in the beginning, I'm going to flip the script. Do you see people come in and they often think that they have high risk tolerance, uh, but when you talk to them, you kind of discover that their tolerance isn't so high? Is that more the norm or, you know, what do you think? Two parts to that okay. as, as a response. One is I don't think they have any idea what the risk tolerance is or what it even means. Well, they just, and I'm not sure a bunch of advisors do either, to be perfectly well, honest. Well, I guess maybe people saying, hey, I don't <laughs> want to be exposed to, I don't want to yeah. lose my money. I want to be safe, yeah. I guess. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a whole that's a whole different topic. Okay. That's a whole different topic. All right. What we have found is people don't come in and find out that, they're, that they have a risk tolerance that's high. Okay. We have found over the years that people come in and they really want to have it be safe. So they have a low risk tolerance. Gotcha. And so when you draw that out of them, that's one thing. But then when you look at it and then you show them the amount of risk in their portfolio, they're astonished because it's almost always significantly higher than they ever imagined it would be. The only challenge with this is when you look at it, something in that context, 
the risk that is being used in the investment world is a term called standard deviation, which is just basically the volatility of any particular investment. There's positive volatility and negative volatility. Well, nobody cares if positive volatility means your stock's going up and up and up and up. They do care if it's negative volatility that it's going down and down and down. So it's the same measurement either way, positive or negative, but that risk tolerance comes into play when, you know, it's like, what's your pain point? How much can you afford to lose in your portfolio? And some people don't, at, you know, at some age with it's some circumstances, people don't want to have any kind of investment risk in their portfolio. The risk tolerance is virtually zero. And that's fine. You just got to match up what they own with what they want and what's appropriate for them yeah. based on the, a bunch of other circumstances that are specific to each person and they're all different. People think they have and feel they have very low risk tolerance, but I, it's, it's been astonishing how many times you see this. You know, if you want to do it on a scale of one to a hundred, which let's just, you know, you have a risk tolerance of 20 and you've got a portfolio of 80. Okay. Uh, they're going, really? Is it that? Yeah. Just because of what you happen to own in inside wow. that yeah. portfolio. Okay. So, interesting. you know, it's an interesting conversation to have with people and it's fun to have when you could show them, Ooh, cheapers. That's really not what I thought I had. Right. It's, yeah. not what, it's not what I've ever thought I had. And it's certainly kind of not what I'm comfortable with now that I know. Right. Well, and I guess that's a good strategy. At least then, then once you know, then you can start to make some determinations and some adjustments to hopefully get those more in line with one another. So if you're not sure about your risk tolerance or you feel like you, you know what it is, but you you know maybe really haven't quite had it checked, kind of like your sleep number, I think maybe. We'll kind of equate it to that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, give, this, is a, this, is a, this is a scare you awake at night, give you nightmares. That's true. Yeah, exactly. Uh, give Charles a call as always. We're going to depart. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Before you take any action, always talk with a qualified professional like Charles. Scott, who is a fiduciary advisor and can help you with all of these things when it comes to financial choices that matter. That's the name of our podcast. Go subscribe to it and we will see you next time. Charles, my friend, thank you so much. Have a great week. My pleasure. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you next time, folks. 480-513-1830. Financial planning and investment advisory services are provided by Peloton Capital Management Limited, a state-registered investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. No one should assume the information presented here serves as a receipt of or substitute for personalized individual advice provided by Peloton Capital Management. For more information, visit www.pelotoncapital.com.